0: Hey there, and welcome to episode 266 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Della and this week we have on Fire Creek Snacks co founder Dustin Reekman. Fire Creek Snacks makes super tasty all natural snack sticks with better for you ingredients. Now, Dustin has been a longtime entrepreneur throughout the course of his career. He's had a lot of success and really hopped into a lot of different positions along his journey, starting with engineering. You might even say that's where he got most of his ingenuity. Fire Creek Snacks came together in a wave of serendipity when Dustin met his co-founder Ryan Hansen. It's a really incredible story. I'm not going to get into that now. You're just going to have to listen because I'm not going to spoil it. It's too good. What I can tell you is, when the two of them had met, Dustin had an opportunity to explore a lot of different areas of starting a business and was getting increasingly interested in marketing. Ryan, on the other hand, had a dynamite beef jerky and vast culinary prowess. The combination of them coming together helped make Fire Creek Snacks one of the best options of snack sticks for anyone who doesn't want to compromise quality or taste, or vice versa. Them coming together really helped them balance out a lot of their skill sets, making them one cohesive partnership, a marriage if you will. That's kind of a pun. You won't find out until later why, but it's a pun. You'll get it in a second, trust me. Not only did they manage to balance each other's skill sets out pretty perfectly, they came together to make a better snack that has people coming back. In this episode of Built on Passion, Dustin Reekman shares how he and his partner, Ryan Hansen, joined forces to build Fire Creek Snacks, what it took to craft their product and truly stand out in an industry with a lot of noise, and the how and why behind starting Fire Creek Snacks. Dustin, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Awesome, yeah. So, to start off, the easy one, Who are you? Who is Dustin Reekman?
1: Yeah, so I kind of tongue-in-cheek tell people I'm an engineer who gives marriage advice and sells snack sticks. So we can kind of talk about my weird background and how I stumbled into the whole outdoors industry and selling better-for-you protein snacks. But that's kind of me in a nutshell. Married guy, three kids, uh, like to stay active, like to spend a lot of time outdoors and doing the things that we help promote to other families who are trying to live their best life.
0: When I was doing... Pre show research. I actually saw that and that kind of threw me through a loop. We're definitely going to keep focused on Fire Creek Snacks. Don't worry. (laughs) But I got to ask how did you get into the marriage counseling or I guess coaching
1: rather? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The short story is I have a civil engineering degree, actually, two degrees in that, did that for 18 years. And kind of as a side hustle, uh, starting about 2009, I created a website alongside my wife. We were doing uh, marriage ministry through our church. And that was kind of like the heyday of blogging and things. So I just kind of used it as a creative outlet. Did a lot of writing. Kind of used the other side of my brain instead of just doing engineering stuff all day. Yeah. So it kind of evolved. And by 2015, I really got into digital marketing, and it kind of you know became a substantial business, and was part of what led me to leave engineering. You know, a couple of years ago in 2018, uh, which is the year that I found my co-founder, and we started Fire Creek Snacks. So we still have engaged marriage, you know, .com. It's still an active site. We still help married couples, still have a book, do some keynotes. So that's still an important kind of passion project, but my focus is definitely in, in growing fire Creek.
0: Matt, the passion project just becomes so successful that you're like, all right, like this will be fine. We can do this at leisure. So fire Creek snacks, I guess for any listener who's unfamiliar, what is fire Creek snacks?
1: Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, we're a, a better for you protein snack company. Uh, we're certainly not unique in that respect. But what makes us unique is, for one, the passion that goes into the project and the products that we produce. Our main products are for snack sticks, you know, it's kind of meat sticks as a kind of the generic term, we kind of think of them as a craft version of that. But we have an original, a spicy kicker, we have a teriyaki, and then our newest flavor is a sweet heat barbecue. So kind of unique flavors, very bold but simple seasonings. And yeah, so a lot of the things that people don't want in a snack like that, the most of the mass market has, you know, we we stay very clean. So we don't have any major allergens, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, soy, MSG, no five-syllable words, all American produced in an American source, both proteins and packaging, and you know, everything we do is made in the USA. That's surprisingly rare in our industry. And uh, yeah, as far as the product goes, I would say the one real differentiator from 95% of the stuff on the market is we run everything through a real Hickory Smokehouse. So it's a very old-fashioned, kind of a nostalgic way to make the product. And when you open the package, you kind of get that hickory smoke aroma and taste. You know, most of the stuff that's mass-produced is run through liquid smoke. It's a lot cheaper, and it's a lot less liability than burning stuff in a factory. But it's a really important part of Ryan, my co-founder's vision for the product. And so it's something we've stuck to even as we've scaled up.
0: Wow. A lot of questions from there. I I really want to get into how you did the transition from... Marriage coaching to this finding your partner. Yeah, I'm happy to dig
1: into that a little more. So again, I was doing engineering. I had a team of 20 people as the managers, working 60 hour weeks, the traditional story. My wife was a stay at home mom, so with three kids. So there was definitely no easy leap to say let's leave this kind of successful career behind, despite having the good side hustle of engaged marriage. You know, I did realize though I was I was really entrepreneurial at heart, and I had scratched. That itch as much as I possibly could in engineering industry. Like I was a partner in the firm I was in, and I did a lot of sales and marketing in my role. But I still wanted more of that and more of that freedom, or that be able to stay do things on my terms. So I basically I'm an engineer, so I I crafted a plan. So like 2017, really basically worked two full time jobs. Was doing engaged marriage, was doing the engineering job, and I started doing a bunch of marketing consulting and coaching. So basically, I learned all this stuff with digital marketing. And have had numerous, like a dozen different side hustles over that time. And you know it set us up to, we were debt-free and had been able to save some money and have a runway and have some level of confidence. And then I kind of had this aha moment in the fall of 2017 where I was like, you know what? Like, I don't suck at my job. They really like me here. So if I quit and I really am not good at being an entrepreneur, I could just go back. So I kind of finally let the weight off my shoulders and was like, this is not a permanent decision. I can just go try something. You know, I was... Approaching right at my 40th birthday, and maybe the part of all this <laughs> was that midlife crisis. And so I did it. So, yeah, in 2018, I said, See ya. And I've worked there part time as kind of a transition time, which really helped. And then just did a bunch more marketing consulting. And I've continued to do that. I do a bunch of business coaching now. So, basically, right now I do Fire Creek and I do business coaching. And then uh, Engaged Marriage still exists, it's, it's kind of passive. You know, I do, I do run it, and it, you know, it's, we've got digital courses and membership site and things like that. So, but it requires much less effort at this point. It kind of runs on autopilot to an extent. So for me, I know that all sounds very like weird and disparate, like, okay, like marriage and engineering and meat sticks. And I could tell you other side hustles, but to me, it's all the same. Like it's all just solving problems. And that's how, that's kind of my worldview. And, you know, I've kind of instilled that in my kids. They've all got businesses they do. I guess it's just that entrepreneurial mindset that I've crafted over the years. So whether it's solving a traffic engineering problem, which is what my profession you know was, or it's helping someone with communication in their marriage or it's helping someone have more energy to you know go on a hike with their kids and their kids are gluten intolerant or they have a nut allergy or whatever like what can we do to solve that problem? So Fire Creek is just the latest iteration of, of solving a urgent problem. It was scratching my own itch, which all these things are. All the things I've been involved with are things that I've had issues with and have overcome. And in this case, it's the first time it's been a physical product. So that's really what makes it so much different is it's tangible. I and mean, you can literally taste it, hold it, feel it, smell it. That's a lot different than the online work I've done in the past and what most of my clients do. And I think that's why I like it so much. More like it's definitely the most passion I've had for a project in my entire you know myriad of different business ventures that I've I've been on over the past ten years.
0: Man, I'm I'm kind of enamored at like the different like you almost ran the full gamut of what you possibly could deal with when you're running a business. I mean, like being able to focus specifically on marketing. I mean, obviously to start off that whole engineering thing and just understanding systems on a larger scale. That's Crazy. I feel like your entire career was just slowly picking up all the skills you would need to get to the end goal of the most complicated piece, which is manufacturing a product.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of ways I think back to, you know, some of my kind of baptism by fire moments with engineering. I'd be at a public meeting in front of a city council with a bunch of angry residents, for instance, like solving a traffic problem that they don't believe or trust yet. And like it's all just objection busting, right? Which to me, it's the same thing as standing at a trade show, getting a reluctant mom to come over and try a teriyaki stick, even though she's she's adamantly opposed to it and thinks that she'll never like it. It's like, well, what are you scared of? We'll try it, you know. And then then, like once they try it and they realize this is completely different than anything I've had. Well, now I've opened up a whole new, you know, frame of reference, a new, a new opportunity for her and her family. All I had to do was overcome the objection and selling something like snack sticks. There's a lot of those objections on the surface, right? Because people think of slim jims. Honestly, I'll just say the, the word. People think of the greasy corner gas station thing that gave them a headache or hurts their stomach. It's something they would ate as a teenager, but they would never touch now. And that is the stigma that the education that we have to overcome. And that is still a mass part of the market, you know. Fortunately, there's very healthy versions. Actually, what I would consider even cleaner than what Fire Creek does but you know, there's a sacrifice with that too. So that end of the spectrum, there's some great brands that are doing really well, but they're all grass-fed beef. They're whole 30 certified, paleo certified. They're very, very, very clean, but at least for my palate, the texture's not there. You kind of force yourself to eat them because you want the nutrients, but like you don't enjoy your snack. And so really what Ryan and I have tried to find is that marriage between like, it's checking all the health boxes that 90% of people care about. Like it has some pork in it, you know, but like, it's not all grass-fed beef, which happens to usually come from Venezuela, Argentina, places that people maybe wouldn't want their meat to be sourced from. But the main thing that we lead with, it's like yes, it's healthy enough and it's clean. But the main thing is it tastes awesome, and like there's no way around that. It's going to be something you crave and something you really enjoy, and very different than most of the stuff on the market. It's something your whole family can enjoy. So like the traditional, you know, forty-year-old dad who's out fishing might like it like he like might like the stuff at the gas station too unless he's got issues with his heart and like nitrates and stuff but like the mom the kids and like i said a little bit earlier this all comes back to like scratching my own itch you know so I, i'm happy to talk about kind of where fire creek came from and i keep i talk about ryan but kind of like our respective roles and forming this because we're very different backgrounds and we've added a lot of different things to the equation to make it work
0: i was actually going to get to something similar uh- gonna talk about the ingredients but that is definitely a better place to start what was i guess the first steps in creating fire creek like where did that come from what was like the the initial push of the snowball
1: yeah so i won't take any credit for the product so actually my i stumbled into the product actually so in 2018 i'm like this wandering nomad who's left engineering and i was out on the weekend with my wife and we went to this new meat shop butcher shop in our town and we were shopping, we bought some stuff to grill and I found this bag of, it was actually jerky at the, that point. It's called fire Creek jerky, a really cool logo. Like our logo is like a campfire and the name fire Creek, you know, and, like, and I'm very much into the outdoors and camping, fishing, hiking, hunting, all that stuff. So it caught my eye. It was like, oh, and I love jerky. I was also kind of getting into eating low carb and keto at that point. Cause I'd gained a bunch of weight during all the stressful time <laughs> the year before, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm in like this mindset of trying new, healthier alternatives. So I grabbed the bag. We took it home. I ate it, and I was like, this is like amazing. This is the best jerky I've ever had. And I'm like, where does this come from? You know, and I flip over the bag and it says it's made in Jerseyville, Illinois. And so to give people context, you know, I live in Illinois now near St. Louis, Missouri. So Jerseyville is a farm town. It's like 7000 people. It's two hours from where I'm sitting right now. It's the last place in the world I would have thought a bag of jerky came from with this branding and this this kind of sophisticated look. And the really crazy thing is it's where I grew up. So I I lived there until I was 11 years old. My grandparents lived there their whole lives. And they're, they're buried there in the cemetery in Jerseyville. And I still go back there to visit. And I'm like, well, how in the world is this made in Jerseyville? And then I realized the butcher shop that had opened in town was this Hanson Meat Company. Who, guess what? They're headquartered in Jerseyville. So this was their third location. They just opened it in our town. Just kind of a booming, you know, university town where I live. It's like I got to find out who these people are. And so I contacted through a high school friend. And I found the owner, who's about my age. His name's Ryan Hanson. We had lunch, and we talked a little bit about the jerky. And I was like, this is awesome. You know. And he was, that's cool. You know, it's, it's a separate brand, but it's something I do on the side. He basically literally bought a hickory smokehouse, put it in the back of his old 1952 family business that he's now the owner of, and was just making small batch jerky and, and eventually snack sticks. But our relationship actually started because I was like, yeah, you know, I used to be an engineer last year and I'm doing this marketing stuff. Oh, really? Well, I've got this new location. I need help. So I actually started working with Ryan as a consultant to market his brick and mortar stores. We. Became friends or family became friends. That was about the time that he was trying to make this transition with Fire Creek out of a partnership that he was in that was all focused on the jerky. You know, so I say jerky, you know, whole muscle dried out, like jerky, into these snack sticks because he had already done experiments and worked with his local customers and he realized that people really like the snack sticks. They're much easier to make consistently. They could come in at a lower price point. There's just a lot of things that he liked about it, and it was kind of a new, newer concept at that time. You know, it was like Slim Jims, and that was the only thing on the market. And so I was like, "That's awesome! I would love to help you with that." And so middle 2008, fall 2018, I should say, I basically worked for free on that part. He was paying me for helping with the marketing on this brick and mortar stuff, his family meat shop. He's a third generation, you know, butcher and owner there. But I I came in, I built a Shopify store. I helped him rebrand the Fire Creek Snacks, changed all the packaging. Was kind of just working for free with this kind of a handshake agreement that if I can sell some stuff online, I'll get some percentage of it, you know, that sort of thing. Because he was just selling locally in his stores and in a bunch of local golf courses and and things like that, but didn't have much distribution. And so, yeah, 2019 is kind of when it all started. We started hitting the trade show circuit. Like, we didn't know what the heck we were doing, who to sell it to. So we just signed up. Our first show was uh, the PGA merchandise show, it was like golf, you know, like down in in Orlando, Florida in January 2019. Went down there, had no idea what we were doing. He spent like 15 grand on a booth, flew all these samples down. We had a couple of his buddies come and we spent four days just toe-to-toe selling. And we sold into like 120 golf courses, just sampling, sampling, sampling. Everyone I would walk by, you know, get them is like carnival barking getting people to try the product. We went on in 2019 to do a dozen trade shows in all different industries, which was very expensive, very time-consuming, completely exhausting. I actually hated the entire thing because I'm, I'm an introvert, but it gave us... Unparalleled insight into like what people how the reactions were to the product, what their objections were to the product. You know, like you don't get more honest feedback than standing toe-to-toe, having watching people try something for the first time. And we got a bunch of distribution that way and a bunch of independent stores, you know, hardware, gift shops, that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where it all started. I became a partner with him later in 2019 in the, in the business and then more recently became more of a partner. So you know, the business right now is just Ryan and I and, and some freelance contract help and doing really well at this point. You know, we've, we've had various successes that we could talk about, but I think what people should really hear in that is that I mentioned numerous things. So this culmination of like, I was looking for opportunities, I met him and helped him in a different way. I led for free, just trying to be of service and say, let's try this proof of concept together because I believe in it too. I was trying to eat low carb. I was big into the outdoors and was doing a big hiking trip that fall that I was able to take this new stuff and and kind of give it to a bunch of people that I met to kind of see what their reactions were. And then the other thing that happened in 2018 was I have three kids and my two are girls and both of them figured out they were gluten intolerant that year and in 2017, which is what led Ryan into this whole like clean snack stick thing, he has two kids and one of them had a severe food allergy. And so kind of like both our families were big into this label reading and like we had to really understand what was in our food. And so he knew how to actually make it <laughs> and he had he had the, the family recipes and the formulas, right? But like, I was like, well, I don't know for my family, this stuff is really important, this clean label stuff. So I'm sure it's important for more and more families, especially with kids. And so it was just this culmination of like the perfect storm, not to mention the fact that it was made in Jerseyville and we've come to realize since then that, you know, they're both deceased at this point, but like my grandpa and Ryan's grandpa were both in the the VFW, the American and the American Legion together. And like, they likely, very likely sat and had beer and played poker together, you know, two generations back. And we didn't know each other until about three years ago, whenever we met through fire Creek.
0: That is kind of nuts. Like the talk about serendipity (laughs) all coming together like that. Yeah. Especially, I'm surprised that you guys haven't bumped into each other. If he's from there, you know, I would imagine that. Yeah, he graduated
1: two. I guess he's two years younger than me, so he graduated a little behind mm-hmm. me. But again, I left there after fifth grade, so by the time we would have been getting into like middle school, high school, and actually probably met each other, yeah, I was gone and he stayed there. And I know his family name is synonymous with the town. Like, I definitely know of him and his cousins and stuff like that. My name is much, I have a much smaller family, but yeah, I knew the Hanson name and I had never met Ryan until 2018 when we met up to talk about meat and butcher shops. And I got a real education in the whole industry. I mean, that's kind of the roles that we've maintained, you know, like he's a product genius. So anytime we're developing something new, I leave all that in his hands. He has the, the relationships in the industry with the manufacturing partners and packaging and fulfillment. And then I'm like, sales, marketing, handle kind of IT and, and nerdy stuff with my engineering background. So we kind of make really good partners in that sense that we've got complementary skill sets.
0: The irony is that it's a perfect marriage. Yeah. And yeah, it just exactly. proves your, you know, your worth as a marriage coach, like even beyond the actual like act of matrimony. Yeah.
1: Well, and anyone who's had a business partnership, it is a marriage. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's very much like a marriage. It's, all the same issues come up. I mean, except for maybe one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, the c- communication is the big thing, you know, and it's trust. And, you know, you build trust, you build rapport, communications, serving the business first and each other first and things like that, like being unselfish. There's a lot of things that are parallels, absolutely, to marriage. So, and you'll hear me, I, I don't say it on purpose, but I'll inadvertently a lot of times talk about Fire Creek as a marriage, you know, between like taste and, and clean ingredients. And that's really how we see it. Like, the two become one, like it's inseparable in our product and you couldn't have one without the other and call it a fire Creek product.
0: Yeah. I did notice that a couple of times, but I honestly, they're like, how (laughs) do you, what do you call it? Those are two things that I feel like people spend too much time focusing on one or the other, but there doesn't need to be a compromise. Yeah, exactly. That's our belief. Of course. Speaking of how did you develop fire Creek snack sticks? I mean, I know that you mentioned Ryan was kind of working and fiddling in the shop, figuring out this new product, you guys tested it out, we had you know, tabled and just had a bunch of people give feedback. How did that come together? Was it just trying different recipes, balancing the spices? What was it like getting past, I guess, kind of the ingredient constraints. If you guys knew that you wanted to make this something everyone could eat, what was that process like?
1: Again, I, a lot of that legwork was done by Ryan initially through the jerky formulation, you know, he had three flavors of jerky which were original kicker and teriyaki, which are no coincidence. Those are the first three flavors that we had in snack sticks. So seasoning-wise, spice-wise, it's all the same, a lot of the same ingredient mix. Obviously, the meat, it's the base itself is very different. You know, we have a beef and pork blend. You've got a casing to deal with. So much different than a whole muscle jerky, but in a sense, though, the same formulation. And that was really his thesis in the whole thing was like, people absolutely love the flavor leading with hickory smoke, but they love the fact that these are simple, but sophisticated. If that makes sense, like there's not very many ingredients at all in any of the labels because it doesn't take much, but if you use the right kind of bold combinations of flavors, it can really set your palate in a lot of different directions. And that's what I recall. Like the bag of jerky I bought was called kicker and our kicker stick is still, it's spicy, but it's very nuanced. Like the joke is I'll have like a kid come up in a trade show Like, hey, be careful, that's spicy, you know, and they'll sit there and they'll take two bites and this isn't spicy, you know, you can't hurt me. And then like 10 seconds later, they're like, I need water because it's this, the way he's formulated it, like you chew it and it's just got a really rich hickory taste and you swallow it. And it's like this subtle heat that just starts building and building in the back of your palate. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's pretty spicy. I don't know how exactly he does that. So again, I can't speak to the nuances of the product formulation, but I will say he had a long-standing relationship with another family business that became our primary initial co-packing partner, you know, manufacturing partner. Our product, there's a lot of constraints with meat. It's, it's got to be done in a USDA-inspected plant, so there's got to be federal inspectors on site at all times. And so we're not—we don't have any interest in being the manufacturer of record. Like he was—he was able to sell it as a craft thing in his own shop, but once you start shipping over state lines, you got to do all that stuff. But he had a guy who's like his age, and they kind of grew up in the business together. And that guy had had a relationship with—he's a third-generation guy, right? So these two families had worked together to make products for Hanson Meat Company, including they have like a signature ham brand that's a state, you know, grand champion, and all that stuff. Also runs through the same hickory smokehouse. So a lot of that kind of just came out of history, you know. As far as like, okay, I know the spices and the seasonings, and I know how to make some great smoked meat products, like let's try a bunch of stuff until we get that to work. What I have been a witness to and part of was the fourth flavor. Cause that just came out about three or four months ago, the sweet heat barbecue. And so that was like, you know, we kind of have our guardrails as far as like, we don't want any artificial ingredients, you know, no preservatives, none of that stuff. So we know kind of the limitations. And then we have a palette of different ingredients to try. And it was just trying a lot of different formulations. You know, they'd send us 10 different versions and then another 10. And we'd get, narrow it down to like, that's the one, you know, this is perfect. Let's try it though with a little more cook time or a little more smoke until we kind of perfect it. And I kind of let Ryan again, take the lead on that. And then we would get prototypes, give them out to friends and family. And kind of watch that reaction. You know, is this like your new favorite flavor? Because that's our goal. We, every, every new flavor we want to be the next best flavor. That one I think he's most proud of because kind of like it's kind of like a kicker and a barbecue in one. It, it's even more unique because uh, it's really sweet on the front end because it's a kind of it's a barbecue, but then it's got that heat that hits you after you swallow it. So the sweet heat it's a lot of fun. I, I think it's a fun experience. And, and again, none of the stuff that we do is so hot that it's, we're not trying to like use ghost peppers and burn people's faces off because we want them to need a second one. <laughs> but it's a really fun experience that like my teenage daughter or teenage son could eat and enjoy, but they might have a little sweat and be like, wow, this is, you know, this is, this is spicy. So, you know, if you've, you've been around the food industry, you know, that spice is a completely subjective thing. Like people think, some people think I can't taste any spice and this next person will think it's, literally burning their eyes off and so uh, we try to be careful to not be too spicy but still have some fun with it where it's got some really cool rich flavors so kind of a long answer but you know that's kind of how we look at the product development is we're really strict on what we can work with and then we try a bunch of stuff in that realm until we feel like it's got the perfect thing to satisfy us and our family and friends and so far that's been very successful
0: in satisfying the masses. I'm shaking my head because when I did try the kicker, I, I was surprised at the spice level, and that's what I want. I yeah. want to be like a little worried. Don't give me the yeah. don't give me this weak spice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if it's spicy, yeah. I want to have to think about it first. It's not that spicy. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's yeah. And if you don't like spice at all, you know, we got original, which
1: is a traditional jerky hickory smoke taste, and then the top selling flavor we actually have is teriyaki, and I think that that's the most popular because it transcends age levels. Yeah. Like we have kids who eat kicker. We have kids who eat barbecue, but 80% of the people I would say that are teenagers and younger that enjoy fire Creek, which is a, actually a surprisingly large part of our audience loves teriyaki. And like, so like my two girls don't eat a lot of meat day to day in their life. They'll eat a filet mignon cause they're spoiled. They, they won't eat a McDonald's hamburger or something, but a teriyaki stick is a staple and it goes in their lunchbox every day. Like they just, because it's tastes great, you know, it's got seven grams of protein. It's got, you know, very low sugar, for a parent standpoint, we're happy and you know confident that we're doing the right thing by letting them eat one of those on a daily basis. But you know, in their young minds, it just tastes good, which is not an easy you know problem to solve. But I think it's something that we can be confident that we've actually kind of got that equation right that it it satisfies both. Plus,
0: it's timeless. I mean, you think about you know jerky, like just proper jerky, and there's always a yeah. uh, teriyaki. And it's always the interesting one. Like that's always like the original just like, okay, you have like, you know, this is just beef, whatever cured, however, you know, method you're using. But the, that's like when people think, I guess, beef or pork or meat stick, meat snack, jerky, anything in that category, teriyaki is always like a, oh, this is like just as classic as original.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a differentiator, yeah. right? Between brands. Like a lot of the originals would taste like jerky. Did you get into something like a teriyaki and there's a different take? The other thing that we've learned, and I had no idea but we've learned in this process is teriyaki is the hardest, most difficult flavor to make and keep clean. Like almost no jerky has gluten. But if you get into a jerky or a snack stick, that's teriyaki, it very likely has gluten, soy, sometimes MSG, because just like to get a teriyaki flavor, you kind of get into that world. And so... That's, I got to get again. That's something I got to give Ryan credit for. We get asked that a lot like, how do you make this but not have gluten or or soy, you know, or MSG? That's a secret, but we do it. I think that's another thing people enjoy because a lot of times I'll be like, well, my kid can't have teriyaki stuff. It's always got gluten in it. And it's like, no, actually, this doesn't. As a parent of two people who deal with gluten, we have two of many things in our, you know, we have two different soy sauces, we have two different yum, yum sauces. We have lots of different condiments because to get any kind of savory, sweet taste, the default is typically to have gluten in it. So, and then finding a gluten-free alternative, a lot of times you lose taste, texture, you know, that sort of thing. So that's pretty cool. And then not having any allergens as a parent, that's a big deal. Cause like anymore to have a classroom party or like your kids play sports, if you want to send snacks to the team, you almost can't even do it anymore, right? Cause everyone's allergic to something <laughs> and there's these FDA you know, has like the federal or the, uh, the major food allergens, you know, I won't pretend to name them all, but like dairy, wheat, nuts, you know, the stuff that you think of like causing major problems. And so we don't have any of those. So there's probably some kids somewhere who's allergic to beef, right? I, I'm sure. But in general, in a population that has major allergen, any kind of major allergen, you can actually send a box and share them with the team and, and no one's going to you know, go into shock. So that's a positive thing.
0: I love cooking like I just as a hobby I'm probably slightly above average but just the like that, that combo of it being an art and a science somehow at the same time you know tweaking different flavors and making something work it always blows my mind on the allergy side of thing weirdly enough I'm allergic to the combination of shrimp and pineapple which apparently is a thing oh wow the only one yeah together. so no pineapple fried rice for me well it's okay that's yeah, interesting anyway. I haven't heard that. So one. when you do make your pineapple shrimp snack stick, you know, just be aware that I can't have any.
1: That's good knowledge
0: to have. I'm not Please sure. You don't make that stick. We in our
1: product succession, we'll have a shrimp stick. But if we ever did, <laughs> if you even pull that one off, I will, oh, I'll give you all my money. <laughs> that might be a tough one for shelf life. All our products are, I mentioned, we don't like having any artificial preservatives. So then you're naturally like, well, these things must last for like a week or you got to keep in the fridge but it's the whole old fashioned thing, right? Like hams and like stuff can last a long time when it's cured. So like, because we do the hickory smoke process and each stick is vacuum sealed to have a year shelf life with no refrigeration. So that's kind of a cool thing for an outdoors audience. You know, like you can throw a bunch in your backpack, be gone and all different, t- it can be freezing or super hot or whatever. And you open one up, it's going to be super fresh without refrigeration and without having to worry about uh, spoilage. And that's again, something I had no clue about. And, yeah, Ryan, you know, educated me on that, that, yeah, you know, if you produce them the right way and you vacuum seal them, I mean, once you open them, they have, they've certainly got a, a, just a few days shelf life if you don't refrigerate them, but you can take them on a trip. And I've taken many backpacking and hiking trips through a lot of different and hunting, you know, the thing might be frozen, but it won't be bad to eat. So I feel like there's
0: so many nuances to not just snack sticks, but the whole production process, like all this stuff, like different little tricks, whatever things that come together that you would never think about on top of that, you guys are kind of pushing the envelope by just using, you know, very specific, very clean ingredients. How do you manage educating people and kind of like getting this information and being like, Hey, no, 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 wait. Like this is like, there's a lot of stuff out there. We're a little different. Here's how, how do you educate people? I guess, get your name out and fight off a lot of the noise in the snack, the snack world. Yeah, that's
1: a great question. It's probably our number one marketing. We have two marketing challenges, right? As a as a guy who's got a background in that. The first one is we almost have like a universal customer base. That's very difficult for a brand. Like you can't talk to everyone, you know? So we have to choose who we want to talk to. So we've got some buckets. So we have like gluten-free moms, you know, we can come to them with the message of no food allergens, it's no preservatives, there's no gluten obviously, and it's something your whole family can enjoy, not just you know, for the parents or just your your spouse or whatever. So like the grocery buyer person in the, in the home who's a clean label person. Traditionally, we've had a lot of golf buyers, you know, it's they don't care so much about the health attributes. It's just a very convenient thing to have on a golf course. It goes good with an IPA. But I think our most passionate audience, and I think the thing we're most passionate to serve, and again, because it's, it's us, is the outdoors audience. And so what I found is, so that's kind of problem one, which we're just going to focus mostly on the outdoors audience, although you know we'll have the residual other people who just like to pick it up as a convenient snack. Number two, the challenge is education. It's just what you said. People have had one of two experiences. They've tried to eat really clean and they tried one of the products that's really clean, and they think it tastes gross. And unless it's part of their plan and they have to eat it, they don't want to eat it. or more commonly, Oh no, I had one of those 15 years ago and it made me sick. Cause it's you know the thing at the gas station. So in person, the benefit is you can educate people very quickly by getting them to taste it and try it. Right. You can, you can say, we usually say, try this. And if they have some objection, it doesn't have anything in it that you think that's nasty or whatever, you know, just try one little bite promise. It'll be something different. So once they do, then we're like, okay, please look at the box. Look at the nutrition facts. Okay. Like It's got seven grams of protein. There's hardly any sugar. It's gluten free, no major allergens. Then their eyes kind of light up like, holy smokes, really? Like, you know, I could feed this to anyone in my family. So that makes education easier when you can, as soon as someone samples it, they can understand immediately the taste. And then you can quickly explain that it's got clean ingredients. Online, that's more difficult, obviously. So We'll do sampling, you know, like we'll sell small sample packs where it's just a small investment and just pay for shipping, things like that, just to let people try them. Endorsements and not necessarily for like well known people, but just testimonials, real life people who try it and talk about the objection that they had that this solved. That can be really powerful. And then the other thing we honestly do is a lot of like longer form content like this. So I know like Ready Eddie is kind of partnership, you know, marketing for the outdoors. And so we plug right into that because that's a lot of how I spend my time is getting on different podcasts or YouTube channels or getting in subscription boxes, anything like that where I can explain to people and hopefully pique their interest enough to then go try a small sample pack and, and see if it's something they enjoy. But that longer form, you know, partnership experience, I mean that's really what we've hung our hat on so far. That's not easy. It's not fast. <laughs> it's not as easy as some other products, you know, seem to be where it's You see it and you know immediately that it's for you or you can see it in action. I mean, like this is something you really need to experience. And so the challenge is to get people to try it once. Our very uh, strong response is typically, that's really good, I wanna try more. And the other thing we do to kind of ease that burden is our guarantee is kind of crazy. And that anyone buys from us, buys from our website, it's 100% satisfaction guarantee. But to the extent that if it's not your new favorite protein snack, We'll give you all your money back, and you can keep the product. Like very, very bold guarantee. And maybe there's some shysters out there who will hear this and want to take advantage of that. We've literally had zero refunds in three years of business. The product's just that good, and we try to bend over backwards with customer service. You know, there's stuff that happens. We I literally yesterday had this really sweet military family reach out. as The wife, and she said, you know, we got my mom bought us these snacks as a care package at Fort Benning in Georgia. And they showed up and the bottom had been slit and it was empty. And it's not the first time. And whether it's an accident or, you know, we've had 20 pieces become 10 where maybe the postal delivery person got hungry. But we do deal with vandalism and stuff. So we just, you know, replace everything for free. And we, we try to be very friendly with customer service. But yeah, leading with a guarantee, trying to get a chance to tell the whole story and explain why the product's different. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's all I think we can do at this point until, especially until the world it's a little more normal. Like for a while there, we're in retail. So, you know, we had a local Walmart presence that was very strong before COVID, and we just Ryan and I went in and we hired some contractors. We just did sampling all the time and drove sales like crazy. But that's work, and you got to get in front of people and you know talk to them, and that's certainly not easy. But that's been the way we've chose to grow the brand because
0: we feel like that's the most real way to do it. I think it's the most stable way to do it too. I mean, yeah. I, you mentioned a lot of things that a lot of. People that I've had the pleasure of talking to mention as being a really important thing, and that's customer service and taking a really altruistic stance with what you're doing and how you and why you're doing it and your approach to it. And again, taking your time. You know, you can hack your way to being in front of a lot a big audience, but if you don't take the time to nurture the people who become advocates, then what are you going to do? You know, time wasted and sprint to the finish, but sprint will burn you out. Yeah. I mean the best way to
1: market honestly is word of mouth. So how do you get word of mouth? You got to get it into some mouths (laughs) and then let them tell their if they really like it, they'll tell their friends and family. And and we're doing some things now. It's not really public yet, but you know, we're trying to do more to build community around Mm -hmm. the brand, you know, specifically with outdoors, you know, like where can people come talk about their outdoor experiences, not just about fire creek snacks? Maybe they're taking the snacks on their hiking trip, but Connecting with other people, often families, but, you know, people who are just living an active outdoor lifestyle who want to share their stories, their photos, their gear, their tips, you know, like, and so we're, we're forming some of that now internally to go public pretty soon because I think it'll be good for the brand. But first and foremost, I think it just, it really solidifies the community that we are a
0: part of and that we want to, you know, make Fire Creek more synonymous with. That's got to be kind of tough too. I mean, like th- think about it, like forming a community around any kind of snack is like a tricky thing. Cause it's, it's just like, what, you know, at the yeah. end of the day you're eating a snack while you're usually doing something. So I I get what, the, what you're saying. And that's like, perfect. It, it like kind of lines up beautifully. Cause like hiking, you know, even long road trips, like you pop into a store, yeah. you're like, Oh, we're going to go on a road trip. Well, got to get some jerky or something or like uh, some kind of like meat snack, something like that. And I'm just speaking from like pure experience. Cause that's just like what I think and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I can, you know, splurge a little, and if you can splurge a little but not have to sacrifice, like you know, putting crap in your body, then that's a bonus, yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. If you don't have to deal with the uh, head fog or, yeah. being out in the middle of the trail and feeling like you need to use the bathroom because something didn't no agree, no slim gyms, we're drawing the line, yeah, we've had that experience, but yeah, I mean, it's again, I mean, it's an everyday part of my life, so it's definitely more top of mind, but we hear all the time, I'll say, from customers who. Hey, I wanted to check on the status of my order. We're leaving Friday for a camping trip. Or, hey, we're going to, you know, Wisconsin and doing a ski trip or whatever. And, like, part of their planning is making sure they've got Fire Creek snacks along with them because they know that'll be a great thing, a staple, you know, to have with them. And sometimes there's no gas station like I did last fall. I did went with a group of guys and we went to Wyoming to the wind river range. And we did a through hike. It was like five days in the backpacking in the wilderness it was the first time I'd ever really done something to that extent. They were very happy that I had fire Creek in my, in my pack, because there were some very hungry moments on the trail where you're trying not to carry much. So we have some lightweight snacks that were full of protein, really kind of lit up the trail. And we were able to share with, with some other people that we met on the trail. And to me, that was like, the sunlight coming down from the heavens like this is like the perfect setting for this snack. You know, like it's great to have it at a baseball game and it's good to eat for lunch, but I feel like it really finds its place in the outdoors. And part of that's that hickory smoke. It's the logo, it's the story behind it. But I do feel like it's first and foremost can be an outdoor oriented brand.
0: I feel like, again, just based off of my experience, you go on a trip or like do some kind of, I guess, bigger outing where you do need to take some food. You don't forget the snacks that you eat. It'll be you know it's kind of the glue, I mean that's yeah, yeah, that. mealtime too, I mean, snack time is meal time. you sit down with whoever you're with, or even if you're just enjoying it on your own, that's like something that, you're, oh man, this was like such a pleasant thing, and everyone loves food, so you're golden, yep, yep. We're getting down to the wire. I got a couple more questions for you, the first being, and I think I personally kind of have a, a handle on where this fits in, but I'm interested to see if there's anything in particular. What is Fire Creek Snack's commitment to sustainability? Yeah, I mean, I think we don't have a grand mission in that
1: sense yet. I mean, I think part of what we're wanting to do is partner on the charitable side with you know organizations that are focused on sustainability from mostly from an like an outdoor conservation, trash cleanup, you know, cleanliness, trails, that the conservancy from that standpoint, like that's a big personal belief of mine is just Preserving what we have in the outdoors and keeping them pristine. But yeah, I think as far as what we do as a brand, some people would argue like any brand that's selling meat really isn't a sustainable focused brand. And we're we're not really looking to get into a meatless lab grown alternative anytime soon. But what we do do is source everything for one from the USA and basically everything's from the Midwest. You know, near where we are. So all of our manufacturing partners are in Illinois with us. All of our beef and pork come from the Midwest, largely from Illinois and Iowa. All of our spices and ingredients are sourced in Illinois. All our packaging is done locally. And, you know, that's a small blip perhaps, but uh, not flying things over from China, not shipping beef from Argentina, you know, I think that does some small part from a sustainability standpoint. So, yeah, that's not, we don't trumpet that as like a big deal. I don't know that it is a big deal, but I, it is part of our brand ethos because we're very proud to be a Made in the USA company. We're very proud to be an Illinois company and, and sourced in the Midwest. And the fact that that helps with sustainability, I think, is a bonus that we are also proud of.
0: That coupled with the fact that, you know, it's not full beef products. Beef is the the most, you know, has the biggest carbon footprint to produce. I really do think it is the little things that you can do that make a difference because you can always grow and you can keep it sustainable. And big pushes where you have to really sacrifice shoehorning something into your process that makes it tough on you as a business. Well, I mean, you also have to worry about bottom line. And if you don't have, there's always ways to improve, but to scale back is, is, an, is an unfortunate thing. I always ask just as the most curious, you know, in terms of obviously we really focus on the outdoors, a lot of the brands that come on, but it's, there's so many big and little things and different approaches that you can take. And it's just always interesting to hear, but that's incredible. Personally,
1: we do what we can as a family, but you know, part of our Charitable causes is fairly local, but it's trail conservancy, you know, just a lot of cleanup stuff, which I mean, maybe that sounds no, that's great. No, no, no. <laughs> on the surface, but it's a big, it's a big yeah. deal, at least around here, you know, like trash and dumping and, and things like that 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 are taking place in places that should be pristine and clean. And so, you know, we try to do our part with that, and you know, monetarily, but it's more like in action. Yeah. So, you know, we take our kids out hiking, I like do do a lot of fishing. And we are very much a leave it cleaner than you find it. You know, like our kids take pride in finding some trash on the trail and putting it in the backpack and and make sure that they're leaving no trace themselves, but also trying to make it a little bit better than they le- than they
0: found it. I mean, people forget this because it's it's easy to really go for the big things, but thinking locally is thinking globally, right? You know, not everyone yeah. could be like, oh, we're going to plant billion trees. There's a lot of different ways to do the right thing. And I think having the intent do good and just like really help you know net positive for the environment is still something and no small thing at that. I agree. I agree completely. Last and probably the most fun, what is the best part about running and starting and being involved in Fire Creek snacks? It's relationships.
1: Maybe that's again kind of uh I don't know if that if that connects. I mean if people are listening and they're entrepreneurs especially, I think they'll get that because uh, it's it can be a very lonely profession. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You know, you kind of might work from home. And so like the fact that you get to go to a trade show or you get to go out into a outdoors festival or a golf show or whatever, and not only have meet your customers, which is awesome, but just meet other people who are in the trenches, building brands and, and trying to do really cool, innovative, fun stuff. To me, that's the best part. So I spend, you know, again, I do a lot of interviews, do a lot of podcasts, love to get out and share the story. And I always invite people to reach out, you know, so like if they're trying to launch a business or they're trying to scale to the next level, or they just have a question about Fire Creek in particular, or they have some suggestion for us, they have a way we could be more sustainable, a new flavor they think would be awesome, some way that we could build community. People have so many cool ideas that they're real bummers if they're not asked about them. So like, I'm very... Open and transparent. And so for instance, my email is a uh, Dustin, which is the U S T-I-N at firecreeksnacks.com. So if anyone's listening and has any questions, just wants to reach out, is looking for business help, or yeah, just wants to, you know, has a has a retailer that they think we should talk to or has some some other agency that they're working with as a brand that's really helped them. I'm all about those relationships. Giving, receiving, just getting to know a lot more people in the industry.
0: I personally agree with that. I know for the industry we're into, it's a, a really helpful thing. And even beyond that, I mean, at the end of the day, oh, all yeah. we got are the relationships that we got. Whether you're an entrepreneur or just kind of stumbling through the internet, finding a, a news story to listen to, relationships, that's the thing that matters. It really is. Yeah, I mean, f- for sure in business, but yeah, in
1: all aspects of my yeah. life, you know, my uh, faith life friends, family, whatever, it's all who you're spending your time with really defines the quality of your life in many yeah. ways. And that's incredible.
0: Dustin, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story and sharing just more about what Fire Creek Snacks is and how you built it.
1: Yeah, been my pleasure. It's uh, fun to share the story and, and love the platform that you guys have built.
0: Thank you so much. Pleasure to hear it. For the listener who wants to find out more about Fire Creek Snacks, maybe pick up some snacks of their own, where's the best place for them to add? Absolutely. It's real simple.
1: dot uh, firecreeksnacks.com. We got a coupon code. It'll save you 15% off your order too. It's just Yeti Y-E-T-I. So uh, Yeti should be pretty easy for people to remember. But yeah, definitely head there, check that out. We could be more active on social, but we you know we have we have all the socials, so they're all at Fire Creek Snacks. And again, my email is Dustin at Fire Creek Snacks if you have a specific question or just want to network.
0: Yes. Happy snacking people. Thanks again, Dustin.
1: Awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, Reddy Eddie podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that
0: wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie podcast. I'll catch you next week.